You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Open to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. We'll be reading from verse 1 to verse 13. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery, everybody say mystery, was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery, everybody say mystery, of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery, say mystery, is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring light to everyone or for everyone what is the plan of the mystery. Everybody say mystery again. Hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church, everybody say, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that He has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. So I ask you not to lose heart, over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your presence in this place through your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord God, that this word is life, this word is truth. And I thank you, Lord God, that you will anoint the preaching of your word this afternoon. And may you give your people a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Looking at this particular text, you know, I was reminded, you know, talking about mystery, you know, there are four times or, you know, the, this word came out, mystery. And how many of you have heard of the word mystery? You know, uh, you know maybe you are, you know, fond of reading mystery novels or you like watching uh, mystery movies. But, you know, we talk about mystery. Mystery is something that's hidden. Mystery is something that you don't know what will happen in the future, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's summer now, and, you know, a couple of years ago, about three years ago, maybe, uh, took my daughters to the Me and My Dad camp. I know that some uh, fathers are dads are asking if we have a Me and My Dad camp this year. I think we have a boot camp, okay? But anyway, so looking back at the past uh, few, a couple of years ago, my younger girls are excited to go to the Me and My Dad camp, 
and uh, brought them to this uh, place called Bangkong Kahoy. Okay? Uh, it's a nice mountainous uh, place. And so you pitched there. I think several uh, dozens of fathers came out there with their children. So I equipped myself with the regular food fare of adobo so I don't have to cook, just have to reheat it. Uh, brought uh, you know, some noodles and brought some spam so that you know, I can be a, a chef dad for about an overnight stay with my girls. But one of the challenging part of the camp is actually the pitching of the tent because I'm not really an outdoors man, okay? I'm more of a city boy type, you know, desk, you know, I'm a CPA, you know, more of the, you know, meeting in the room. I'm not really an outdoors man, outdoors man. So I don't really own a tent. And so what I did was I borrowed a nice tent from Pastor June Escosar, uh, who's in love with the outdoors. And so he has his own tent. And so when he told me, pick up the tent from my house, uh, from his house, went there and I saw this box or this bag filled with sticks and pegs and canvas. I had no idea what to do with this thing. And so I was looking at some of the parts. It's a mystery to me. You know, how will this part play in the whole, you know, putting up of the tent? You know, does this go up or down or on the side? So good thing is when I went to the site, there were already dads that have pitched their tent and some staff there. So I was helped by about 150 men. No, no, just kidding, okay? Uh, some men to pitch the tent. But as I was looking at the small parts here and there, it was a mystery to me. How does this part play in the overall picture of how I will finish this tent. Maybe you're looking at your life right now, and maybe you're going through such a situation or something. Maybe it's a challenging time with your family, a challenging time with your business. Maybe you're in limbo. Maybe you're in a crossroad. Maybe you're in a, an emotional state right now. Maybe you're a, a single person waiting for you to become double or something like that, okay? Or maybe, you know, you're a married person. You're praying for your marriage. I don't know what's happening. You, maybe you're going through a situation and you're wondering, what does this particular part in my life got to do with the overall purpose of God? And how many of you know, when you talk about the purpose of God, it's always good, pleasing, and perfect. The will of God for us is always good for us. He promised that we're going to have a bright future, Amen. He promised we're going to have a good hope. He's going to take care of our future. But yet, in the meantime, sometimes we're going through fire. How many of you know going through fire is not fun? How many of you enjoy going through the fire? It's not fun. Going through hardship and difficulties and trials and the fire, it's not fun. But yet, God uses such situations in order to mold us more into the image of of God. Mystery. Every time that we go through a situation in our life, we don't know the outcome. It's a mystery. And the Apostle Paul took the time to, you know, write this as we were looking at the three chapters of Ephesians in the past few weeks. This is like the hinge or the final chapter of the indicative as he's about to change in the commands or the imperatives. He's talking about doctrines. He's talking about beliefs. Good belief will always bring out a good behavior. He wanted to make sure that we believe what is right, that we believe that we are all blessed in Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. 
We've established that in week one. We believe that because of our situation before, we used to be dead, now we're alive in Christ. We used to be alienated, now we're part of a covenant. And now we hear the Apostle Paul writing this, for these reasons, in chapter 3, verse 1. What reason is that? For this reason that we have just talked about in the previous weeks. For this reason that you are blessed. For this reason that you are now part of the covenant. For this reason that now you are alive because of His mercy and grace and so on and so forth. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. That was the title of the Apostle Paul. Why did Paul had to reintroduce himself in the middle of a letter? He just introduced himself in chapter 1 verse 1. He said, I, Paul, an apostle. His title then was the Apostle, but in chapter 3, now he is a prisoner. How many of you know that being a prisoner is not fun? We live in the Muntinlupa area, and Muntinlupa is known to be the national penitentiary. I was able to visit the prison, and it's not a nice place to be in. But the Apostle Paul, during this time, was imprisoned for the gospel. He was in prison in Rome, and he was writing this letter. To, you know, to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints in Colossae. He was writing several letters to encourage the churches. Can you imagine that? He was the one in prison and he was the one writing an encouraging letter. How many of you would like to be in that position? Even if you're down and out, you're still able to give life to other people. Amen. This is the Apostle Paul. He's so filled with the grace and the love and the revelation of who God is in his life that he can't help but... Let me just encourage you guys. There's life. There's so much hope. There's so much future. And he was writing all these things. And he said, he described himself as a prisoner. He was just set free from his past life. And he got, you know, transformed into a new person in Christ. But yet, why is he using this word prisoner? He's no longer a prisoner of the world. But he is now a captive of Christ. Amen. You know, when you are found in Christ, you're no longer a captive of anything in this world when you are captivated by the love of Christ. Amen. Jesus, hopefully, you know, my prayer for us this afternoon is this, that you and I will be captivated by His love. That you and I will begin to know the riches of His love, how high, how long, how, how deep is the love of Christ for each and every one of us that it will not just be something that you hear about as a sermon, that you will actually experience the love of Christ. How many of you have experienced the love of Christ in your life? Please raise your hand. The forgiveness, the new purpose, the acceptance. I know that we're all, uh, we all can relate with that. In verse 2 it says, assuming, now let me just point out something here. It's interesting that between verse 1 and verse 2, you notice a punctuation mark there. That is a long dash. You know, I am I'm not a literary major. I am an accountant. So I don't really care about, you know, punctuation marks. But now that I'm taking masters, you know, they taught us, you know, there are different kinds of dashes. Okay, there's the hyphen, there's the N dash, and there's the M dash. There's three. How many of you are aware of this? The shortest dash is called a hyphen. Okay? And it's actually meant to be a word separator. For example, Jun Jun. 
or tintin or bang bang. Okay, mahilig tayo. Mga Pinoy mahilig sa ganun, di ba? Yung mga uh, joke joke whatever. Okay, you, 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 or maybe self absorb or self confidence. That's the shortest hyphen. The, the second dash, the n dash is actually the regular dash that you see in sentences. Okay? Just to be able to uh, be a short break from your thought, okay? Or maybe an indicator of a distance between two points. Like for example, if you go to a tombstone, you see two different dates, okay? Date of birth and date of death. It's separated by a what? A dash. You don't call it a hyphen, that's an N dash. E-N dash. But there's this third dash. It is called the M dash. Now why am I taking the time to explain this? This is important. Because as the Apostle Paul was writing this particular letter in chapter 3, and he said, mm, he's about to pray for the people. He's about to offer a, you know, a prayer for the Ephesians. In fact, he was about to, oh, and then he changed his mind. And the translators basically sense that there is a long pause and a long break in his thought. That's why they put the M dash. This M dash means a strong, long break, as if you change your mind and you change course of your thought. In fact, if you have your Bible right now, can you please check verse 14 of chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3? What does it say? For this reason. You see those three words again? For this reason. It's as if that the Apostle Paul is picking up from where he left off in verse 1. Are you getting it? He was talking about, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and then he paused, long break, changed the course, and he started talking about the mystery. He started talking about, ano ba talaga mystery of Christ? Ano ba talaga mystery of grace? And then after talking about the mystery, he moved back to verse 14, and what did he say again? For this reason. Are we getting it? So this is just a, you know, a short uh, uh, introduction. And he said this, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. It was God who basically gave this stewardship of the mystery of the gospel to the Apostle Paul. Now we've seen this word mystery several times in these few verses that we have just read. Verse 3 says, How the mystery has been made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. Now, what is this mystery? If you look at mystery in the Greek word, it's actually mysterion, which means a puzzle or an unsolved problems. Or an unsolved problem. You know, maybe watching uh, you know, a movie, uh, Mission Impossible or something like that, or maybe, uh, I don't know, uh, Murder in the Orient Express, you probably have seen some movies that have some mystery in the middle of it later on to be revealed uh, at the end of the movie. But this particular mystery is not really a secret secret, but God had the intention of revealing this mystery to the people. So it says here, not unknowable, but can only be known through what? Through revelation. And Jesus himself was the one who revealed this mystery to the Apostle Paul. Now the Apostle Paul continued, When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery. We see this word again, mystery of Christ. Which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as 
it has now been revealed to His holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. You know, during the past, God Himself had chosen a people as a race. And these are the Jews. And so He, you know, he chose Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And Abraham was blessed by God. And Abraham was like the starting point of what we know now as the Israel nation. Or the nation of Israel. And yet, Abraham was blessed by God. He said, you know, God said to Abraham, I'm going to call you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to, you know, make your name great. Whoever curses you will be cursed. Whoever blesses you will be blessed. And I will make you a blessing to all the nations. But yet, there was an unfolding of sorts. We didn't know yet that we thought initially, or the Jews thought initially, that the revelation or the promise or the covenant was only limited to the Jews. But what God had intended all along was for the Gentiles to actually be part of this mystery. And that is the mystery that we're talking about today. It says in verse 6, and this is the answer. What is the mystery? This is the mystery or the revelation of God. Verse 6, can you all read this out loud? One, two, three. This mystery is that the Gentiles are what? Fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. In other words, it is not only the Jews that are called to be blessed, but you and I, from day one, have been called to be blessed. Amen. There was a bit of an unfolding of sorts. In other words, God in His mind has designed for the entire world to come back to Him and not only the Jews. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand for that? You know, we're all... Now, how many of you are Gentiles? Please raise your hand. You are a Gentile. You are not a Jew, okay? If you are born Jew, you're not a Gentile, but you're a Gentile, okay? Look at the person beside you and tell the person, you are a beautiful Gentile, okay? You are a Gentile. We are all Gentiles. Nothing wrong with that. Now that we know the mystery, the mystery is that you and I are partakers of the covenant, members of the same body, co-heirs with Christ. But initially, God was not really obligated to include us. We thought that we're outside the covenant. And Jesus is what the Apostle Paul has said. You used to be aliens in the covenant. You used to be not part of this. God was not at all obligated to give His love to us. We were not entitled to receive this love. Do you know people who are entitled? As if may patago, parang ganun, no? Sometimes our children can be entitled, right? The way they ask, the way they, you know, some, one, one time our, our kids just, you know, because of the things that they're doing at home in the chores, okay? For this, dad, you know, you have to give me like 300 pesos. You know, I said, what? <laughs> For doing a chore? You know, sometimes we find people who are entitled. Maybe you have a friend who's entitled, or maybe you have an employee who's entitled, or maybe you are the one entitled. But guess what? When it comes to the gospel, the grace of God, we can never be entitled to that. That's the reason why it's called grace. Everybody say grace. Grace is freely given, and it's not deserved. It's totally undeserved. Jesus himself just chose to give this grace for us. We are not entitled to it. It's solely the prerogative of God to give it to us. 
you know, kind of like a bonus in a company. The reason why it's called a bonus is because you did not work for it. It's a bonus. It's called extra. If it's called a wage, then you deserve because you worked for it. And the Bible says, for the wages of sin is what? Death. You worked for that. We worked for death. We are entitled to die. Look at the person beside you and tell the person, you deserve it. But because of what Jesus Christ did, it did not end there. But the gift of God is eternal life. It is a gift. You didn't work for it. It's called grace, caris, gift. It's eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Which one did we work for? We worked for death because of sin. We received grace because of Christ. You and I didn't work for it. It's freely given. You only have to ask for it. In fact, you cannot coerce someone to give you a gift. Because the moment you coerce someone, bigyan mo naman ako ng gift. Bigyan mo naman ako ng GC or something like that. Bigyan mo naman ako ng overnight stay. Love, can you give me a vacation? It's no longer a gift. But the moment that you actually give something out of free will and with an open heart, it is called grace. In verse 26 of Colossians chapter 1, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. In the Old Testament, God has been giving hints of the inclusion of the Gentiles. And it is time and time again, you know, though they, it is a blur and they could not see that His ultimate intention was to join in the Gentiles, we see some signs or hints. You know, when Moses came out, he actually married a, you know, a non-Jew. And his father-in-law, Jethro, was the one who helped him manage the two million people who came out from Egypt into the desert to the promised land. An unbelieving Gentile, there's this prostitute named Rahab, uh, back in the day with the spies of Joshua, who was a, a Gentile, ultimately became part of the covenant of God because, you know, God used Rahab, a Gentile, not even a Jew, to be part of the lineage of Christ, a prostitute. You see hints of, you know, God opening the covenant to Gentiles because they are part of this covenant all along. And then there's Rahab, a Moabite woman who married a Jew. Eventually, her husband died, her father-in-law died, went back to, with Naomi to Israel. He said, I'm not going to be going back to Moab. I'm going back with you. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Ruth became a part of the covenant and the lineage of Christ, a Gentile. And so we see this, King Cyrus, so on and so forth. Eventually, this mystery was revealed in us in the New Testament that all along, God wanted us to be partakers of this covenant with Christ. Amen. You know, you got to be familiar with how God wanted to bless the Jews. You know, when God says, I'm going to bless you, He means it. He's going to bless them. You know, we went to Israel several years ago, as I said earlier. And Israel is actually located in the middle of the desert. I mean, there's nothing there. But they've got the best agriculture. 
their watermelons and their cabbage is bigger than your head. Can you imagine that? I mean, how can these people, they lack water and yet they know how to do irrigation. They're so brilliant because it is God who watches over their land. Amen. It is God who actually waters the, the streams and the mountains and the vegetations of their land. He watches that. And I was just reading that in Deuteronomy chapter 11, how God is watching and keeping His eye in the land because of His promise and His covenant. And guess what? Whatever blessing God has given to Israel, you and I are partakers of that blessing in Christ. Come on now. It is because of Jesus that we are partakers of that. Can you imagine this? God is watching over your business. God is watching over your family. God is watching over every you know, finance that you want to put in as long as you obey Him. That was the condition. If you will obey me, if you will obey quickly my word, then I will watch over you. We are partakers of the covenant blessings that He gave to Abraham. Not because we're Jews, but because we are in Christ. Amen. Because you and I in, are in Christ, you and I are blessed. We can look to our future and say, God, my future is secure in you. There's nothing to fear. Tell the person beside you, tell the person, do not fear. Do not worry. Do not worry. There is no room to be depressed. Amen. God is the ultimate one who can give us joy and meaning and hope in our life, really. And I can stand here before you and say this despite the fact that I have lost a son 15 years ago. I can still say that God is good to my family. Amen. It is all but by the product of the grace of God in our lives. What do you have? What have you gone through? What fire have you gone through? Ultimately, when you look at the picture, God's plan for each and every one of us is still good. Now, how is this mystery revealed? Verse 7, it says, Of this gospel, I, who is the I here? Paul. I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. And he was talking about him being a minister. A minister is actually a servant. And he was made a minister because of his desire before to persecute Christians. So you can find that story in Acts chapter 9. We don't, we don't have the time to talk about that. But God basically arrested the Apostle Paul. That's why the Apostle Paul is saying, I am now a prisoner of Christ. It's not because he's controlled by God, but because he is compelled because of his love for God. He's actually compelled to share this mystery to others. And God transformed his life from a persecutor of Christians to one that is the Apostle for the Gentile believers. In verse 8, it says to me, Though I am the very least of the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I mean, can we actually describe the immeasurable, unsearchable riches that we have in Christ? The riches of God's love, they're bigger than your biggest problems. Amen. What problems do you have? It will all drown in the unsearchable riches that we can find in Christ. Have you actually failed in life? It will only be restored only because of what Jesus Christ can do in your life. Charles Spurgeon said this, if Jesus is precious to you, you will not be able to keep 
your good news to yourself. You will be whispering it to your child's ear. You will be telling it to your husband or your wife. You'll be earnestly imparting it to your friend. Without the charms of eloquence, you will be more than eloquent. Your heart will speak and your eyes will flash as you talk of his sweet love. In other words, what the Apostle Paul is saying, because of my encounter with Jesus, I can't help but talk about his love for me. And it is a mystery that he is now revealed to him and he's sharing it to the church. In the past, this mystery was hidden. During the time of the Apostle Paul, at that present, this mystery was given to him, what he is saying. But in the future, he is saying that the church is the one that will be sharing the mystery that we have in Christ. How many of you know that you are the church and that you are part of this mystery that we need to take out, out there? Every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. We can't be in the middle. Either you are a mission field or one who goes out there and talks about Christ. And do you remember that time when you actually you know, just fell in love with your wife now, who used to be your girlfriend? You can't help but talk about your feelings about her, right? Did you go to Love 101 to study how to share your relationship to others, you know? You did not. You just, it was a natural. You're talking about it to people because in love, okay. You talk about it, you sing about it, you write about it, you text about it, you email about it, you have pictures about it, you Instagram it, you Facebook it, you're telling the whole world, this is the love of my life. Because you, it's, you're just natural. When you are enjoying a, you know, a, a food from a nice restaurant, what do you do? You Instagram it, you post it, you IG story it. You, know? you just can't help but tell the world of what you have experienced. But what about the gospel? What about Jesus? When was the last time that you and I have actually talked to someone about the goodness of God in your life? Did you take the time and share, you know, God has been good to me because He gave me a job. God has been good to me because He gave me a good family. God has been good to me because He provided for me. God has been good to me because He didn't allow me to have a sickness. God has been good to me because He protected me. God has been good to me because, you know, tomorrow I'm going back to work. How many of you know that God is good despite the fact you have to go to work tomorrow? Amen. Come on now, we have to go to work tomorrow. It's my day of tomorrow. Anyway, okay. God's been good to us. And we should and ought to be compelled to share to others about the love of Christ. And what the Apostle Paul is saying and what you're just doing is to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. In other words, what you're doing is you just need to put a spotlight on what God did in your life. That's about it. All you got to do is to let other people see what God did in your life. Did you fail in your marriage? And now you're forgiven? Show it to people. Were you sick before? And now you're healed? Show it to people. Were you in, you know, in financial trouble before? And now God's provided for your needs? Show it to people. Tell people about it. Did your children you know, used to be rebels, but now they're serving God and they're part of the church? Show it to people. 
You know, one German theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, shared about, and he described how we ought to share the gospel. And he said, and he used an illustration of, if you have an apple, in order for you to tell people about how good this apple is, please don't describe the scientific name of the apple. Or, you know, talk about the botanical way on how this apple grew from the tree of the plant. You know, you know there are several, several ways on how to describe it, but the best way to describe this apple is to do what? To bite it. Mm. And this is how the mystery unfolds. You bite from the gospel, and you tell people how good the Lord has been good to your life. Amen. Come on now. You tell people how much you've been forgiven. You tell people how much have you received from Him, from the riches of His glorious grace. You tell people how much He restored your marriage. You tell people how much He gave you a purpose. You tell people how much He gave you joy, despite the fact you're going through hell. He gave, you, you tell people you know, how much He has saved you from your path of sin. The beauty of the gospel. There's no other excuse. Sometimes we say, Pastor, I'm ill-equipped. I don't know what to say. Just bite from the gospel. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Just tell them how it tastes like. Malutong, matamis, masarap. I wish you can taste it just like I have tasted it. And that's really what God is just telling us to do. Just share it to people. And I want to end here. The purpose of the mystery is really for us, the saints, the church. So that through the church, everybody through the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Who's part of the church? Can you please raise your hand? You don't go to church. You are the church. And you and I and this thing called the church has been formed by God. Gentile, Jews, Diverse people from every tongue, every tribe, every people, every language, different colors. Amazes me that every time I look at the church, I see different colors of faces. I see brown, yellow, black, you know, white, pale, tan, dark skin, sun-kissed skin, whatever kind of skin, whatever language. That's the beauty of the church. The manifold wisdom of God is seen through the church. Amen. You know, as we go back to what transpired in my me and my dad camp before, after putting all this tent, finally the mystery of this peg, you know, made sense all along. And, you know, after putting up this tent, you know, my, my children were just so happy, you know, after putting up this tent, ah, okay, this is where this piece of the puzzle should go to. And now I can look back and say, okay, this is how the tent looks like. Somehow it's a nice tent. You know, you can fit two single air bed there with extra space for the bags. You know, uh, my kids can actually stand there. And, you know, we've actually tested it. It rained there and it was water resistant. We were still dry, it was raining, but one thing that is lacking is it was not snore-proof because we were beside other dads in the camp and everybody was snoring and I can hear the snore from the other tent. But anyway, that's another story there. But the mystery has been solved. I knew exactly where that final peg ought to go. 
And how about our life? Sometimes you look at your life and say, Lord, where does this piece of the puzzle go into your eternal plan? In verse 11, and I'm about to end here, this was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness, everybody say boldness, and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. When things in the journey do not make sense, look to the one who is all wise, God, and realize that in the end, it will be good for you at the very end because His plans for you is always good and pleasing and perfect. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand for that? I'd like to ask the music team to join me here. Father, we are so grateful for what you have done to each and every one of us. Thank you for the mystery of the gospel that each of us are called to be partakers of this covenant blessing that we have in Christ. And Father, we are obeying today. We're declaring, Lord God, that we will be used by you, Lord God. With the power of the Holy Spirit, we will minister to others as well. Help us to take a bite of the gospel and to be able to share it to others, God. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit is able to empower us and fill us every single day with gratitude, fill us with your love, fill us with your purpose and hope, God, so that it's going to be just an overflow of our devotion to you, Lord God. The, the way that we talk to others about you, Lord God, is just an overflow of our personal devotion with you, God. Lord, I thank you that you'll bless your people as they go back to work and school tomorrow. Thank you, Lord God, that your grace will continue to abound in their lives, God. May your blessings flow, Lord, Lord God, to each of their families and their business. Indeed, we can enjoy every spiritual blessing that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn His face to you and grant you peace. May the love of our Heavenly Father and our grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.